A few weeks ago, I uh, gave a homily on the dangers of utopianism, which is to say uh, that we are not to try to make a heaven on earth because we're not made for the earth. Ultimately, we're made for heaven. And so there's only so much we can do uh, to, to really improve our life here. And I was very pleased to see that two days later, Pope Francis gave an address on the very same topic, the dangers of utopianism. I mean, I knew that I was getting listeners to my podcasts around the world, but <laughs> somebody's going to say, Father, he's not listening to your podcast. I know. I know. But it was, it was really interesting to see that. Well, okay. Now, one of the other elements of that uh, topic or subject is sort of a, an overarching concept, which is the idea that we can fix things. The idea that human beings, through their own efforts, can create, not, not just, I mean, obviously we, we ought to try to make the world better. That's not what I'm saying. But what we end up seeing is that human beings try to do something even more than that. Right? They're always looking for maybe an individual uh, person or groups of people who might um, truly make a sort of heaven on earth. And we see this uh, desire increase more and more as the world becomes more secular. You look for, obviously, a secular world looks for human solutions because secularists are not going to look for divine ones. Now let's go back to the Israelites who are awaiting the Savior. For centuries they were waiting for the Messiah, the one who would liberate them. They were waiting for, for, for one person and he was going to come and liberate them. He would be sort of a new King David, right? David, the, the great military leader uh, who was able to uh, bring together all of Israel and protect all of Israel. And so very much they were thinking in terms of this Messiah is going to come and make our lives better. He's going to come and fix the here and now, economically, militarily, etc. And, you know, you, you have this desire fueled by certainly the Babylonian exile when the Israelites have, have been, you know, taken into Babylonia. But also at the time of Jesus, when they're under the oppression of, of Rome, right, the, the Roman Empire, and they have foreign occupiers, foreign occupation. They're looking for a resolution to that. They're looking for somebody to come to overthrow that oppression. So they're thinking very much in terms of here and now, Messiah. He's going to come and fix the stuff that's wrong here and now. And we see this play out uh, within Jesus' ministry because he'll perform certain miracles. He'll heal some people and he'll, he'll multiply the, the loaves and the fishes and feed the multitudes. And what do we find is that the people want more and more of that. They're thinking in terms of worldly 
benefit. Fix what's wrong with, you know, with me uh, physiologically or, or with my loved one. Heal the sick and, and you know, take away disease. Make sure that, that we have enough to eat. I mean, this is great. We've got a guy now who's going to be able to feed us. You know, he can just keep multiplying loaves. That's what they wanted. If you look in John chapter 6, after the feeding of the, the multitude, they follow him and they just want more bread. They just want a human solution. And so when the Lord does not acquiesce to that desire repeatedly, and he says, no, 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 this, these are just signs of something bigger. The, the multiplication of the loaves, that's just a sign of something bigger that I want to do. The healing is, is just a, a glimmer of the true healing that I want to give you. And the, the Jews had a difficult time figuring that out. And, and even the apostles, who were the closest to him, had a hard time figuring out what he was up to. Everybody wanted a human solution. You know, a, a, a military leader, a political leader, whatever, to usher in this sort of golden age for Israel. And then they caught him and they killed him. And there were other people who came before Jesus that were thought to be potential messiahs and they, they didn't turn out to be. And so the presumption was here was just another one who was not able to fulfill what we wanted. He wasn't able to overcome the oppression of the Romans and set us free. Little did they know that that's not God's desire. It's not his deepest desire. Does God want us, to, want us to be happy in this life? Well, sure. But he doesn't want us to be completely happy. Well, how can that be? Well, that's what secularists want. That's why they try to make utopias. That's why they try to make everything fair, like Christmas, where everybody gets the same amount of gifts. Because they're focused on the world. And they're not focused on the soul because they don't believe in the soul. One of the most important questions you will answer in your life is whether or not the human person is created. Created, which is different, different from a biological reality. Is the human person created? Namely, is there a creator? Your parents are not creators. Technically speaking, no human person creates. This is in the philosophical sense. Only God creates, namely, brings something out of nothing. Human persons work with stuff they already have. I can sit down and play a song on the piano. I actually could, could and I could make it up right now. No, I'm not going to do it, but one day I will. You might say, he created that. I didn't create it. I used stuff that already existed and fashioned something. Strictly speaking, only God creates, and God creates the human soul. So the most important question we're ever going to ask ourselves, or we might say the most important question that we ask first is whether or not God has created human persons with a soul. Because if we have a soul, then we are eternal. 
If we don't have a soul, then sure, pursue as much happiness in this life as you can get because nothing else is going to matter. But the Christian, as opposed to the secularist, says, no, God has created me and all of the people who exist. And he has fashioned within us, he has imbued in us a soul, an eternal reality that will exist after my physical reality dies. And this means that he has put within us a desire for happiness and fulfillment that will never, can never be met in this life. So therefore, all attempts to find perfect fulfillment and happiness in this life always fail. It's always a, a curious thing uh, that, that people will ask, or they find it to be curious. Why is it that so many affluent people commit suicide? Why is it that teenagers in many, many affluent areas commit suicide? They don't really lack. They don't really lack. Now, I understand that there's a multitude of answers to this. What I simply want to point out is the ability to acquire things and happiness in this life never sustains. Now, a lot of times we, we spend the early part of our lives trying to, you know, get ahead, increase our wealth, increase um, our, our income, uh, increase our, our fiscal uh, stability. And I see it over and over and over that once people sort of cross the threshold, I'm not saying they get old. I have to be very careful with my language. Old is sort of a state of mind, you know. But, but as people, let's say as people mature, they, they, you kind of get past that point and, you know, and the family is okay and the kids are okay and they're out. And then, you know, people who are, who are seniors begin to reflect on something called eternity. And all of a sudden, that they have a soul really, really matters. It would be really nice if we could move that concern earlier in life. You see, God has created us with a desire that can only be fulfilled by Him. He's the only one who can fulfill it. And the sooner that we recognize that that's who we need most of all, then we will clear away the clutter, whatever that is for us. It's kind of different for each person. We'll clear away the clutter and allow him to begin to fulfill us. And that's what John was about, preaching. Repent. Repent. What does that mean? Get rid of the stuff that gets in the way. You know, the, the first thing you sort of think of is sinfulness. Get rid of that. But not just having committed the actual sins, but get rid of the bad habits that contribute to it. Get rid of the personality issues that every single person has that gets in the way. Get rid of the stubbornness between you and your spouse. Get rid of the resentment. So many people have, it's true, it's just true that, that, that people have been seriously wounded by others in their lives. Many of us have. 
get rid of the resentment by forgiving, letting things go. And as we get closer and closer to Christmas, I, I am certainly not a person who, who uh, doesn't think people should you know, celebrate Christmas and give gifts. I think, I think it's fantastic, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful acts of love and goodness. But we have to remember why we do it. Let us not forget. It's because we are celebrating our Savior coming into the world to set us free. So we have two more weeks left. Let us focus on, if there's any clutter that needs to be cleared out, when I was up in Williams, that up north, my previous assignment, there was this garage. It was filthy. There was rat poop all over the place. and I mean, it was nasty. Nasty. I, I had to set traps for mice and rats, and I mean, it was disgusting. And um, I remember getting there, and I thought, boy, I should probably clean this, you know? Somebody should probably clean this. And then after a year, nobody had. <laughs> so, so I thought, I don't know, just one Saturday, I was like, that's it, I've had enough, you know? And, and cleaned it out, and, and it, it looked pretty good. Clean out your garage. Clean, clean out your garage. I mean, that, that's what these penitential seasons are for. Clean it up. Get rid of some of the stuff we don't need. Right? The emotional stuff, the, the sinful stuff, the whatever stuff. Get rid of it and prepare a place for the Lord. Please stand.